This is Brother Frank, and welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. And uh, we got a great program tonight. Brother Benjamin is back here with us. And so with no further ado, I'm going to get Brother Benjamin right onto the show. Benjamin, are you here with me? Hey, good afternoon, Frank. Hey, brother, I'm excited. Um, You've got some cool things to talk about tonight. Uh, And when I say cool, I don't mean that as hip. I'm talking about, folks, this is interesting stuff because it's what we're facing. And being armed with the proper knowledge, I believe, will help aid us as we move forward through this dark uh, time in our nation's history. And uh, But, Benjamin, as we get started, I'm just going to ask, brother, um, open up with a word of prayer. Would you mind praying over this show tonight? Yeah, let's pray. Absolutely. Father God, we thank you that you rule over the entire creation. Lord, your throne is lifted up. Your word is exalted. The name of Jesus is above every name that has ever been named. And your great and awesome day is about to begin. Mm. Lord, I thank you that you've lifted the skirt of the wickedness of America. Mm. I pray, Lord, that you would... Render your judgment, which is sufficient. You told us that vengeance was yours, that you would repay. Lord, we petition you now. And Lord, we ask that the the wickedness would be uprooted out of the land. Let it be burned out, Lord. Let the righteous be preserved. Let the righteous remain and let the wicked be uprooted out of the land. Let them become ashes under our feet. Mm. That this nation could be cleansed by the judgment on all of its evil, Lord. I ask for summary judgment before the throne of God. And Lord, we've only seen a small fraction Mm. of the evil that is being done. We cry out, Lord, for mercy for the righteous. We know you're still the God of mercy, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But you're also a God of judgment, and your great and your awesome day is upon us soon. So we ask, Lord, that you would intervene. The America that exists today is a a twisted, distorted, dark and evil shadow of of the once great nation in which freedom and and the rights of of humanity that were ordained and given by you were respected. Today, Lord, all of these rights are being trampled. Yes. Your truth is is being made illegal. Mm. A form of hate speech to these liars from hell as their perversions are on display everywhere. Lord, we say no more. Mm. Bring your judgment, almighty God. Yes. We cry out to you, even as as Lot cried out in Sodom. Even as the children of Israel cried out in Egypt. So the remnant of God cries out in the land of America, Babylon. Lord, I thank you. You've given us insight into the lateness of the hour. Protect your righteous saints. Let everything else be destroyed in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, brother, um, jump in because um, there's, I know there's a lot we haven't had you on in a few weeks, but um, some, obviously wow. some things have changed and uh, some new insights, some more insights into the, the mindset of what's going on right now. Wow. You know, Frank, I've been, um, I've been getting so much out of the scripture and, and I've been doing these deep dives into the Hebrew and it's just, (laughs) if anybody doubted that the Bible was actually written by the spirit of God, all you got to do is, is look deeply into these prophetic scriptures and how they link together. And the, the revelation of what is in the word of God is astonishing. And I, I've actually been hesitant to even speak on some of what I've been finding in the scripture because, I mean, it's radical. It's, it's not something that people have seen yet. But I, I feel like I should touch on a little bit of it today. And we're just going to, I'm just going to introduce some ideas to you. And maybe we'll follow up with a further program. But before we talk about the revelation of truth that is that has been sealed and hidden within the anointed scriptures of truth, I want to talk to you about the revelation of a lie and the psychology of totalitarianism. And I want to just discuss for a brief moment the book written by Matthias Desmet. It's called The Psychology of Totalitarianism. And, you know, in this book, I'm I'm reading the the inside flap from the cover, world-renowned professor Matthias Desmond deconstructs the societal conditions that have allowed a collective hypnosis to come over the minds of the people. By analyzing the global COVID pandemic, he identifies the phenomena of mass formation and I would add the word psychosis, and illustrates how humanity is being forcibly, unconsciously led into a reality of deception, technological totalitarianism, which aggressively excludes any alternative view. It relies on the destructive groupthink, vilifying any nonconforming thought as unacceptable dissidents. Desmond offers a sharp critique of this groupthink, which is growing steadily. He cautions against the dangers of our current societal landscape, the media consumption, the reliance on manipulated technologies, offering simple solutions for the individual and the collective to prevent the willing sacrifice of our ability to think critically. And I just want to read a couple of comments. This book is so good. You guys, if you read... And if you don't read, you you should consider why, because the only way you can really learn something is to read and study it. You know, if you just hear it orally, you know, 80% of what we hear, we forget. This subject you want to understand, because it's how the satanic system is being created around us. It's how the servants of the beast are being basically brainwashed into a thought system where any argument, no matter how persuasive, no matter how factual, is basically seen as an assault on the truth and the light 
of the new age of Lucifer. Oh, I mean the new age of sorcery. No, pardon me, the new age of pharmacology. The new world order of the pharmaceutical monsters and their controlled government and media institutions. You know, and what a what an amazing thing that the rulers of the Antichrist would deceive the whole world through their pharmacology, through their pharmaceutical industry, through their sorcery-based medical model, which is exactly what the book of Revelation declares would happen at the end of the age. And, you know, this false reality was brought to you by Pfizer. Let me share a couple comments from Desmond's book. Mass formation is, in essence, a kind of group hypnosis that destroys the individual's ethical self-awareness. Destroys their self-awareness and robs them of their ability to think critically. The process is insidious in its nature. Entire populations fall prey to it unsuspectingly. Most people wouldn't even notice the shift towards a totalitarian regime. We associate totalitarianism with, you know, concentration camps and extermination camps. But those are merely the final bewildering stage of a long process. Ours is a scientific world, and it's been dominated by medical and scientific experts for the last few years. Desmond comments, sloppiness, errors, biased conclusions, and even outright fraud is now so prevalent in scientific research that a staggering percentage of research papers, up to 85% in some fields, reach radically wrong conclusions. The undercurrent of the totalitarian system exists in the form of a blind belief in some kind of statistical, numerical science fiction that defines reality which shows radical contempt for any facts that contradict its conclusions. The ideal subject of totalitarian rule is not the dedicated Nazi or the avid communist, but a people for whom the distinction between fact and fiction and between truth and lies no longer exists. Much of the population is trapped in a place of social isolation. And we see the absenteeism, the unprecedented use of drugs, burnout of epidemic proportions, the destruction of the family unit, the separation of normal social relations. The unimaginable has become reality. During the recent pandemic, we witnessed the abrupt pivot in virtually every country on earth to follow communist China's example of civil rights or or the absence thereof in which entire populations were placed under de facto house arrest through the term lockdown which was sort of the the placebo name for it it didn't stop there we witnessed the transfer of power from the people and elected officials to the experts, the scientific experts who became George Orwell's pigs of animal farm, the smartest animal on the farm to replace the unreliable politicians, 
They would run the farm with accurate scientific information in a time of great plague. But the experts soon turned out to have quite a few common human flaws. In their statistics and their graphs, they made mistakes that even ordinary people would not easily make. They went so far that at one point they counted all deaths as coronavirus deaths, including people that died from accidental causes. Nor did they live up to their promises. The experts pledged the gates of freedom would reopen after the initial doses of the vaccine. When the time came, things didn't change, and so they came up with a need for a third requirement. And just like Orwell's pigs, they changed the rules overnight inconspicuously. Totalitarianism is not a historical coincidence. It's the logical consequence of mechanistic thinking and a delusional belief in the omnipotent, omnipotence pardon me, of human rationality. You know, that's one of the reasons that we who are the people of God, we don't believe in this omnipotent human mind. The Lord told us, place no confidence in the arm of the flesh. Don't trust these institutions. They're nothing more than a collection of men. And we've now learned that many of them are evil in their core. They're under the control of the spirit of this ruined age. And they are, in fact, lying to you. You know, science has become a religion. Truth-telling is a way of speaking that breaks through all of the social consensus. But whoever speaks the truth also challenges the group that has sought refuge and comfort in the security of the common belief system. This makes speaking the truth a dangerous endeavor. You bring fear to the group if you challenge their scientific salvation. That fear and those challenges result in anger and aggression. Truth-telling in an empire of lies is a dangerous occupation. Moreover, the reality from scientific community is that it is merely an illusion that we can attain certainty through our science. Dr. Heisenberg proved this with his uncertainty principle, where it's impossible for us to be certain of all the elements of scientific observation. In fact, the observation itself changes the outcome of the results. In short, the scientific discourse, like any discourse, has become the privileged instrument of power of opportunism, of lies, and deception, and manipulation, and oppression. And it's all done under the guise of medical tyranny. Today, there's no longer a difference between pseudoscience, fiction, and reality. Never before have been so many people completely conditioned to the social conditions that give birth to totalitarianism. And that's exactly what the kingdom of the Antichrist is going to bring. A totalitarian system awaits us. See if I can find one or two other. Oh, here's another great quote. No less than 85% of all medical studies come to questionable conclusions. A recent editor of a major medical journal made the statement that in today's medical research, unless you can find definitive proof that the medical research is actually correct, you should assume it's fraudulent based. 
and that their conclusions are false. It's an empire of lies built upon a, a medical model that is designed to deceive. It's an artificial society. We live in an immeasurable universe. And yet we've been conditioned to believe in the objectivity of measurements and numbers. As if the measurements and the numbers somehow translate into truth. But this theory is not only unfounded, it is dangerous. And the reason is these numbers are easily manipulated by whatever assumptions you want to choose. You can create the graphs and the studies and the statistics and all the conclusions you need to sell whatever product you want to sell. You can prove poisoning children has no relationship to the, to the onset of sudden death in babies. They proved it. You can poison your children and it will never harm them. These poisons are safe. They're very effective, depending who you ask. Anyway, enough of Desmond's book. There's a ton in here. You guys, arm yourself with the truth and support this, this man who's a genius, Matthias Desmond. Get a copy of The Psychology of Totalitarianism. You'll be glad you did. So let's do a little time check. So it's, we've got ourselves, um, what, about 40, 50 minutes, Frank? Uh, about, about, uh, 35. We got 35 minutes. Okay. So we're just going to touch on a few things here today. And I want to start with the words of Jesus. And I'm reading from Matthew chapter 23, verse 33. You serpents. He was talking to the religious leaders in Jerusalem near the end of his ministry. And he referred to them as serpents. You generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I will send unto you prophets and wise men, scribes, teachers, and some of them you shall kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. But upon you may come all of the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. The Lord was speaking to the final generation of the nation of Israel. At the very end of the original covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant that was given to Israel, It was now about to be superseded. And God was going to bring a new covenant into creation. And the the religious leaders who had become so corrupted that they no longer could tell the difference between the truth and the lie, the Lord was pronouncing a judgment upon them. And he described them for what they were, serpents, vipers, who were about to experience the damnation of hell. But before they would experience the damnation of hell, they were going to experience the judgment that would come as a result of the shedding of the blood of the righteous going all the way back to the very first murder of Abel, all the way through to the murder of all the prophets. Now, each of those murders was committed by an evil generation, by an evil person, 
And there was a specific judgment at that time that came upon Cain and came upon each of those generations that killed the various prophets. But at the same time, God was accumulating, if you will, he was storing up wrath, representing the combined judgment for all of this evil. And that total judgment was poured out on the last and the final generation of Israel that had become serpents and vipers. And unto you, upon you, will come all of the judgment from the shedding of the righteous blood upon the earth, from the first murder to the last in the house of the Lord. Verily I say unto you, all of these things shall now come upon this generation. Well, you guys, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know prophecy repeats itself. My authority for that is in the book of Job. When God speaks, he speaks twice, but men don't understand it. Because every word of truth must be confirmed by two or more witnesses. And God's prophetic word is subject to God's own word. And so God brings his prophetic word to pass twice. It is witnessed in the earth as it is fulfilled at least two times. Thus, having been witnessed twice, it's been confirmed by its own children, by the manifestation, by the actual fulfillment of the word, it's established as having been a word from God. So too, this judgment will be fulfilled twice. Some of you guys can figure where I'm going with this. We live among the generation of God's wrath. Go read Proverbs 30 if you don't believe me. We're the final generation of the new covenant. And once again, this is a people who are, the best of them are briars and thorns. I mean, there's a remnant. Thank God. Thank God there's a remnant. And thank God if you know one or two of these people. But the vast majority of this generation, you know, if you, if you say anything that offends them, Many shall become offended and hate one another, betray one another, and murder one another. This is a generation of people that are so easily offended. A generation of serpents and vipers. And I can tell you, the ones that have been, I don't know, modified genetically, I guess we should say, uh, they've lost any patience. These people explode. You frustrate them. You, con you mention anything that contradicts them. Or their, you know, scientific salvation. You challenge their temple of worship, you know, at the church where they've got the serpent on the stick. Where the high priest in the white coats or, you know, speak the silent magic rituals. And the secret magic is, in, you know, it's, it's actually sealed up in the little inserts that nobody reads. And the little vials of pharmacon poisons that these people take on a regular basis. You know, they will turn on you. And unto this last generation, I say unto you, all of the blood of the righteous and of the innocent that has been shed upon the earth, from the very blood of Abel, again, to the blood of Zechariah, to the blood of the illegal wars, to the blood of the thefts and the slave traffic, and to the abortions, and to the murder 
to all of the evil that's poured out, all of this blood over all of the history of humanity, all of this right blood shall come upon this generation. You know, and my authority for that is, is the word of God. This prophecy is repeating. And the Lord talks about the judgment at the end of the age, and he says, such a thing has never happened before in the earth. Judgment that's about to be poured out. There's nothing that is like it. The First World War, the Black Plague, the Dark Ages, the Holocaust, the, the, the Holocaust of abortion, the drug addiction and the destruction of our inner cities. I mean, all of these horrors, the animal testing, 200 million innocent animals tortured to death in scientific research in this country every year. 200 million. 500 million babies murdered. And now drag queen story hour. And the Lord uses the word chazam to describe his fury. And he warns us judgment such as never was is about to come. Woe unto the wicked. Woe unto those who lie and bear false witness of their brother. Woe unto all liars and all thieves. Woe unto those who engage in these wicked practices. And, and all of us were sinners. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there is a way of repentance. There's a way of salvation that is yet available if we merely call on his name. But we must learn to walk Amen. in the spirit on that straight and narrow way because many are following the way that seems right in their eyes and they're still walking under the power of the mind of the flesh. You know, and if Paul made this so clear in Romans. Let me just read to you in Romans 8. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 8. If you're still in the mind of the flesh, you cannot please God. God is angry with the wicked every day. And even the wicked can be righteous in their own eyes. They can become religious. They were priests. They were Sadducees. They were Pharisees. And in Jesus' eyes, they were serpents. The carnal mind is, is an enemy of God. It cannot set, subject itself to the law of God. And the law of God in this hour is the law of the Spirit. It's not the Torah of the flesh. Now, the, the people that are still wanting to walk in the Old Covenant, you know, they, they don't really like the fact that I talk, I talk about the new covenant having replaced the old covenant. And then in, in the new covenant, we're under the law of the spirit. We're not to be lawless. Jesus raised the bar. Now the law is tested in the heart. It's not just the outward act. The meditations of the heart must line up with the outward acts of righteousness. But if you are not in the flesh, but you walk in the spirit, 
if so it be that the Spirit of God is alive and dwelling in you, then you are one of the children of God. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And, and the message I want to get into tonight, which uh, we'll just have to continue because I'm only going to break the surface of it. I'm going to talk to you about the sons of God. But if you are not in the spirit, if you are yet in the flesh, then you are none of his. If any man does not have the spirit, Christ, he's none of his. And we've not received a spirit of bondage, but of adoption. So I want to talk about the sons of God. You know, the sons of Belial, the sons of the devil, which is who they are, they can get religious, but they will never repent and they'll never receive the righteousness of Jesus because they're always going to keep, they will never leave the worship of the flesh. It's all they have, it's all they know. The sons of the Spirit, they are different. The true children of God are the exact opposite. Hallelujah. And, you know, the first promise of a new creation found in Genesis chapter 17, verse 6, when Jesus was talking to Abraham and he said, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I'll make nations from you. Kings shall come out of your loins. One from your own body will become your heir. And a servant will not be your heir. You know, at this point, Sarah was barren. Abraham was 99 years old. He was past the age where normally he and Sarah could even have a child. You all know this story. Uh, his servant, he had assumed his servant's son would become his heir. And here the Lord's telling him, no, no. A servant will never inherit the covenant that I'm making with you. Only a son that comes forth out of your own body will be your heir. And of course, this was a prophecy of the birth of Isaac. Remember I told you, every prophecy is fulfilled twice. This prophecy foretells the birth of another son. Actually, a lot of children. Exceedingly fruitful. Because this is the birth of of the redeemed remnant that are going to come forth out of the fires of judgment. You know, this doesn't make sense to people that are under the law. And, you know, look, you have to have the spirit in order to understand the things of the spirit. Some people don't have the spirit. And so they can't even imagine that the carnal law interpreted through the knowledge of good and evil itself was a form of well, corruption, really. I mean, look what Israel did with the law. They created the Talmud. They wrote like, I don't know, 20 volumes of regulations. You know, they made the law like 20 times heavier burden. Not, that's what the mind of the flesh does. There's no freedom. The flesh brings death. The flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. You read these scriptures in the mind of the flesh, you bring death. 
You bring division. You bring judgment. You don't bring deliverance. You don't bring healing. You don't bring salvation. Nobody gets born again from the knowledge of good and evil. Nobody gets healed from the mind of the flesh. Nobody gets delivered and set free from the religious spirit of the carnal mind because it's all darkness. It's only in the anointing. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks the yoke. And Isaac's birth, the prophecy of his birth, in, in the, the Lord expressly waited until Abram's body was dead. Sarah's womb was dead. The flesh is dead. And the promised birth of the Son of the Spirit could never come out of dead flesh unless God were to intervene. Hallelujah. So let's, I want to describe for you the differences between the children of the flesh who are the bondservants and the children born of the Spirit, born again of the Spirit, because we were all born in the flesh. Some of us have had a new birth, and, and that new birth was just in part. We tasted the heavenly gift. What is coming is the revelation of Jesus Christ. There must be some that enter in. Hallelujah. I'm going to speak to you from the book of Galatians, chapter 4, starting at verse 21. Tell me, you that want to go back to the law, have you even read the law? Do you hear the law? For it is written, Abraham had two sons, one by the handmaiden, who was a bondwoman, and the other by a free woman. And he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. Of course, that's Ishmael. But the son born of the free woman was born by the promise of God, by the power of God. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that enabled Sarah to become pregnant, bring Isaac forth out of her womb that had died. So too, the Isaac of the spirit man comes forth out of our lives when we finally die to the way of the flesh. We are finally born again totally. We give birth to the same miracle son. Hallelujah. He who was born of the bondwoman came forth of the flesh. These things are an allegory, Paul writes. These are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which brought forth bondage. This is Agar. This is Hagar. This is the mountain of bondage. The covenant of death, which is the covenant of the flesh. Nobody was saved by the first covenant. First covenant testified of sin and it testified of death. And it's pictured as, as Mount Sinai in Arabia. But its contrast is Jerusalem, spiritual Jerusalem. But the Jerusalem of old, and Paul says, Jerusalem, which is now, is in bondage. You guys remember as I talked to you about the 70 years of bondage under the rule of Babylon America and how God had brought Israel back into their land, but he hadn't taught, he hadn't brought them back to spiritual relationship with himself. Israel was left in spiritual bondage. And so too, the church in the West, for the most part, is in spiritual bondage. And they're in bondage even now. And so few get set free. But the Jerusalem, which is above, Paul writes, 
It is already free. And it's the mother of us all. It's Rachel. It's Sarah. It's the beloved mother. For it is written, Rejoice thou, barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate woman will have more children that she, than she who has a husband. You know, this is speaking of the exceedingly fruitful harvest that will come out of the spirit birth of the anointed ecclesia of God. Now, when I talk about an anointed remnant, I'm talking about a people who enter in in this age before the return of the Lord. All of the elect children of God who've passed on, who have died in the flesh, who've been raised by the Lord and are now in the kingdom of heaven, they've all been fully redeemed. They're in their glorified state. They're the born again, fully glorified children of God. And the scripture says, when we see him, we shall be like him. They're already like the Lord. They have the mind of Christ. No one needs to teach them anything. And they're watching. Maybe they're even listening to this message. From above, great cloud of witnesses. But here in the created realm, we're the people that are still in bondage like Jerusalem. We are not yet like the Jerusalem which is above, which is completely free. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was... So we are the children of the promise. And Isaac's birth to Abraham is a picture of the birth of the remnant at the end of the age. But as then, he that was born after the flesh, that was Ishmael, persecuted the son that was born by the spirit. Isaac, so it is even now. And you know, I've had a lot of persecution from false teachers. Because they hate the fact that I can teach a message they can't touch. You know, and they teach, you know, in their, in their heart of hearts, they'll teach things, you know, such as, um, well, I don't want to go into it. There's a lot of false teachers out there afraid to even tell you the whole truth of what they believe because they would discredit themselves in the eyes of many. They are the children of the flesh who've come in Jesus' name, but walk down the wide road to destruction. And they've appointed themselves teachers, which is, that's like a suicide rap, considering you become worthy of the greater judgment. I got news for you. The lesser judgment is probably more than most of us can even endure. Who needs the greater judgment unless you were ordained to be a teacher? But as then, even now, the children of the flesh, the sons of the serpent, persecute the children of the Spirit of God. Nevertheless, what says the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Even as Abraham had to put Hagar and Ishmael out of the camp because they would have not stopped the persecution and that the prickling briars would have, would have been a constant annoyance to Isaac and to Sarah and it would have been a constant division. So there's a point where there must be a separation. Go into your prayer closet. Close the door behind you. Come out from among them. Be ye separate. So too, bondwoman and her son of slavery 
must be cast out. For the son of the bondwoman is not an heir of the kingdom, as is the son of the free ones. So then, brethren, we're not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Hallelujah. So how is a new remnant going to be born again? Where is that in the scriptures? Let's do a time check, Frank. Where are we time-wise? Uh, about uh, 12, 13 minutes around there. Okay. Well, let me jump over to the book of Isaiah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start in chapter 10. I'm going to start with a scriptures in verse 33 that deal with the judgment of God. Behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts shall lop the bow with terror. And the bow represents a tree. He's going to cut down the trees with terror. It's going to be terrifying, this judgment, when it comes. And the high ones of stature shall be cut down, and the haughty will be humbled. And he shall cut down the thickets of the forest with an iron. The Lord's coming with an iron axe, and he is going to level the forest. And Lebanon shall fall by a mighty one. Not just a few trees. Not just the entire forest. He's going to be leveling nations. And then in Isaiah 11, and you guys should understand, some of these chapter divisions, these aren't anointed. Isaiah 11 verse 1 is a continuation. At the same time, God is leveling nations. At the same time, with an iron axe, he's cutting down the forests, and the trees are the planting of the Lord. They represent the men. He is bringing a judgment across the earth with such terror that's never been seen before. And at the same time, the Spirit prophesies that there shall also come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. Well, God is cutting down entire forests. Here's a tree. It's not getting cut down. This tree is being blessed. This tree is growing out of the stem of Jesse will come a rod of authority. And of course, it was the prophecy of, of David being born, right? David was the son of Jesse. He became king of Israel. He, he, was, a, he was a prophetic type of Jesus. Why? Jesus was the son of David. Jesus came out of Jesse as well. So this rod of authority, that's the rod of the king, which came forth out of the, the branch of Jesse, out of the tribe of Judah. Both David and Jesus were born in the natural bloodline of the tree of Israel. And so God's contrasting the judgment on the wicked, the judgment on the, the men that represent the trees of this world, in which he, the Lord is going to literally cut them down, the entire forest, even the entire nation, Lebanon is known for its mighty trees. The Lord's taken the whole country down. But then he immediately contrasts those trees being judged. Those are the sons of bondage. They're the children of Hagar. And they're going to be cut down. The branches will be broken off and they'll be burned in the fire. And now the Lord in Isaiah 11, 1 says, but there's another tree. And this tree's been blessed. And out of the branches of this tree, out of the stem of Jesse, will come forth a rod of authority. 
And so David and Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. And a branch shall grow out of the root. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, the power of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. And skipping ahead to verse 10, Isaiah eleven ten, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. Now, the root of Jesse, there shall come forth out of the root. Hallelujah. That root of Jesse, the root of this tree is Jesus Christ. We were chosen in Jesus. The ecclesia of God. The children of God were all chosen in Jesus. We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ. We have been chosen in Jesus. And so we are born again in Jesus. The Lord Jesus himself is the very root of this tree. It is he who called Abram, changed his name to Abraham. Jesus appeared to Abraham in the desert, in the wilderness several times. Jesus came to his tent with Michael and Gabriel, the three of them looking, disguising themselves as wayfaring, you know, wanderers or travelers. But Abram knew who they were. And he said, Lord, if I found favor in your sight, please stay with me. He wanted the Lord to spend some time. Can you imagine Jesus coming to your house for lunch? Yeah, we'd want the Lord to stay a while, right? Well, Better than that, we're going to be going to his house for lunch soon enough. Amen. First dinner, but after that, I'm sure we'll have lunch. Back to the prophecy. Out of the roots will come a branch. And what is that branch? That word is, in Hebrew, it's netzer. And it, it means a shoot. It actually means a descendant is going to come forth out of the branch. Pardon me. That is the branch. Come forth out of the roots. So who's that talking about? Well, the roots themselves are Jesus. Is Jesus a descendant of Jesus? I mean, I guess the man Jesus was born a man, right? I mean, yeah, he's the son of David. He's He came forth as the son of Mary. I mean, Mary was his mother. He, he's a man. God was his father. His, his spirit is actually God. He wasn't created. He coexisted with God. He's the root of the entire revelation. He's the bright morning star. He's the mystery that's now going to be unveiled. And we were all born again in him. We come forth out of the roots. That said, we are the descendants that come forth out of Jesus. But coming forth out of the root is coming forth out of the God nature of Jesus. Because the human nature of Jesus was born in Bethlehem, a descendant of David from the tribe of Judah. Jesus didn't have any descendants in the natural. 
If he didn't have a son or a daughter by the flesh, but he has many sons and daughters by the Spirit. And even as Abraham was a picture of the birth of the kingdom, and Isaac the picture of the promise of a coming son, they're a type and a shadow of the mystery that God had begun, which was generation of people that would come forth out of God himself. They would come forth out of the very Son of God, created in the image of God, born again in the power of their Lord, the blood of his sacrifice. And brothers and sisters, in these final hours, this mystery will be revealed in its totality. Amen to that. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. In verse 10, Isaiah 11, verse 10, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which is... The Lord Jesus Christ as God Almighty, he, and it, which shall stand for an ensign to the people. And to this the Gentiles will seek, and his rest, his shalom, his peace will be glorious. And it shall come about in, about in that day that the Lord shall set his hand a second time to recover the remnant of his people. That's the second exodus, you guys, from all over the earth. Hallelujah. And so the birth of the branch coming forth out of the root will be the revelation of Jesus Christ in this generation. And it is astonishing. Let me just take you to Jeremiah 30, and we'll talk about the context. This birth, you know, if you think about the order of events, when Jesus came to Abraham's tent and he said, Abraham, your servant will not be your heir. One born of your own body will be the heir of your throne. And so too, in the case of Jesus, his servants will never be his heir. His heirs will come forth out of his body as God. They're the reason, that's the reason they sit on the throne with him. They come forth out of God himself. The Lord's redeeming his own children. One of them will be lost. This mystery is not understood by the many who walk with only the sight and the knowledge of the flesh. This is the revelation the scriptures testify of. And these are the beloved of the Lord. David representing them, being an, an image or a picture of the beloved, even as Isaac was a picture. But if you look at from the day the Lord came and gave the message of the birth of Isaac, the promise when when Jesus said, I will come back according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And of course, Sarah laughed, and, and Jesus said, Sarah, you know, why are you laughing? He, I don't think he said, at your Lord. <laughs> but he, he said, Sarah, you know, why do you laugh at my words? And of course, Sarah denies it, you know. Oh, I didn't laugh. And the Lord said, oh, no, you, you laughed. Uh, she's the only person to ever lie to the Lord and not actually get a rebuke, just a very kind correction. The Lord said, no, no, we all heard you laugh, Sarah. You know, you're, you can't cover it up. And so you shall name your son Isaac. Laughter and joy. And that's what the sons of God will be filled with. But now, after the promise of the coming son, then the Lord says, should I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? So he tells Abram about the judgment of Sodom that was the next event on the problem, prophetic calendar. And so Abram intercedes, and, and ultimately Sodom is destroyed. And then 
the promised son is born. And here we are at the end of the age. The Lord says of the remnant, should I hide from my remnant that which I'm about to do? No. He's shown us clearly what he's about to do. And he's about to judge end time Sodom. He's about to judge end time Babylon. And in the fire for burning, out of that fire, the birth of the spiritual Isaacs will come forth. Even as Isaac's birth followed the burning of Sodom, so the birth of the remnant anointed ones will come forth following the fires of Ezekiel 38. Wow. And this is testified in Jeremiah 30, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, we've heard a voice of trembling and of fear and not of peace. Ask me now and see whether does whether a man is travailing with child. You know, can a man be in travail with a child? Where, why do I see every man with his hand on his loins as a woman in travail, in ready to give birth to a man-child? And why are all faces turned into paleness? Alas, for that day is great. There's none like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Now, whenever the prophecy talks about Jacob, the Lord's referring to the people of God. Jacob, of course, represents Israel, and the Gentiles that got grafted in became part of the kingdom of Israel, true spiritual Israel. But when God says Jacob, he's talking about his people in the flesh. It's the time of trouble for the people who walk by the mind of the flesh. Yeah, no kidding. There is no solution. There's no strength in the flesh. There's no arm of flesh that can save you. No son of the flesh can help you. There's no deliverance in the power of the flesh. And you're not going to be healed or preserved through the old covenant either. The only hope is in the spirit of God. Amen. And in the, and in the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jacob will Amen. be saved out of it by the Lord. And it will come to pass in that day, says the Lord, that I'll break the yoke off his neck and burst the bonds of captivity and strangers will no longer serve themselves of my people. Even as the Lord had revealed to us, the church is in spiritual captivity. I mean, if you need proof, just go to a church. You'll see what I'm talking about. If you can see in the spirit, it's obvious. Even as Israel is in spiritual captivity. You know, and look at the defilements you know, look at the bondage. Look how many are struggling. You know, no deliverance, very little healing, very little miracles. Why is that? We'll talk about that on another program. But look what it says in verse 9. But now, after the Lord breaks these bonds, after the Lord brings salvation to the people of God, and he delivers them from their bondage, and they will no longer serve their enemies. In verse 9, the, the Lord testifies, now they shall serve the Lord their God. And David, their king, whom I will raise up unto them. Therefore, fear not, my servant Jacob, says the Lord. Neither be dismayed, O Israel, for I will save you from afar and your seed from the land of the captivity. The whole church of God, the ecclesia of God's in captivity right now. But they shall return and shall be at rest and be quiet and none shall make them afraid. You're not going to be afraid if you're in the remnant. You're not going to be filled with terror. For I am with thee, says the Lord, to save thee. Though I am about to make a complete and utter and total end of all nations. Yet I will not make a full end of thee, but I will correct thee in measure, and I will not leave you altogether unpunished. 
but I will restore health to you. I'm down in verse 17, and I will heal you. This is Zion, who no man seeks after. In verse 21, and their nobles shall be of themselves. This is speaking of the leadership of the remnant at the end of the age in the wilderness of Zion. There'll be nobles appointed by the Lord, and they will be of the house of Israel. And their governor shall proceed from the midst of them. The Jewish scholars call this one the son of Joseph. And they believe this is the forerunner. This is the one spoken of in Malachi. The messenger of the Lord who comes with the fullness of the anointing. That he will be appointed as a governor. He'll proceed from the midst of them. And I'll cause him to draw near. And he shall approach unto me. Even as Abram was called to see the Lord. And who is this that engaged his heart to approach unto me, says the Lord. And you shall become my people. And I'll be your God. But I'll leave you guys, since we're running out of time, I'll leave you with a question. How is God going to fulfill Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 9, when he says, the people, after the breaking of these bonds, and now they're being set free during the time of the tribulation, following the burning judgment of end-time Babylon, hallelujah, can't come soon enough for my taste because I'm looking forward to the breaking of the bonds. I want that freedom the Lord's promising. Enough of this defilement and vexation of soul every day. But how is the Lord going to fulfill verse 9? They will serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. How is God going to raise up King David? I mean, this is talking about our generation, you guys. This is talking about the end of the age, during the Great Tribulation, after the war, in which now the people of God are being completely redeemed and being set free. The Lord is going to raise up one like King David. And he will be a son of David. And he will be born again, totally, right out of the root. And this is the branch that is referenced in Isaiah 11, a branch shall grow out of the roots. In Zechariah 6, verse 12, the Lord also references this branch. And he says, behold, the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he will build the temple of the Lord. This is the living temple. He will be the governor of Jeremiah 30, verse 21. He will be responsible for building the living temple of the Lord. He, even he shall build the temple. God repeats it twice. When the Lord repeats something twice, it is determined. This is going to happen. Nothing can stop it. And he shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule upon his throne. Yeah, didn't David have a throne? Well, this end time speaker who comes forth, who is the prophet spoken of in Malachi, the messenger of the God, of the living God, even as John the Baptist was the forerunner before the ministry of Jesus 2,000 years ago, this one is the forerunner. He's the one appointed as a messenger. And he shall sit and rule upon a throne. And he shall be a priest upon this throne. He'll be a priest for the people. He will be, he will stand in the gap between the people. And the Lord will cause him to draw near. He will go He will go in to see the Lord. This is going to be amazing. 
and he shall bear the glory of God. And the counsel of peace shall be between them both, between the anointed. And, you know, not only does this speak of a specific individual, brothers and sisters, truth be known, this one, the branch, is one of the least of the saints. This is the prophecy and the promise and the destiny of every one chosen elect of God. We will all bear the glory of God. We will all sit and rule upon thrones. And the scripture talks about the thrones of David. And there are many. And the word David means beloved. These are the beloved of the Lord. And he lifts them up to his throne, seated over all of creation. And the council of peace, an agreement of peace, a unity of peace. In the most difficult time in the history of creation, in a time of unprecedented evil, in a time of, of the literal possession of the wicked of humanity who will turn into the very devils that they've served, the Antichrist manifesting Satan, and all of this evil and all of this darkness, literally in bondage and in ruin, and in the camp of the righteous, the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Amen. The living temple will be built. The Lord will come. I hope you make it to the wilderness of Zion. The Lord will be there. I, I think he's going to play the undercover boss thing again, too. Where He did that in the Exodus. The Lord was there walking with Israel. He mentions this in the scriptures, that he walked with Israel out of Egypt. He's going to walk with us out of Babylon. He's going to walk with his righteous out of this ruined and wicked age. And he's going to lead us to, the, to that wilderness of Zion where we will receive the final instruction, the final edification, the final equipping that we would be ready for at the very end of the age. When the Lord comes in the clouds at the last and final trumpet, we've now been purified. The temple has been completely rebuilt. And we can be literally translated from that state directly into the presence of the Lord in the clouds. And then it's on to Jerusalem to take back the kingdom and the world. Hallelujah. And now we'll begin a kingdom without age, a kingdom that will never end. Hallelujah. And, and I have a ton of information to go into about the son of David or the sons and daughters of David who are waiting to Amen. be born again. Totally. Well, praise God. Thank you, brother. Folks, if you want, you know, just follow up. I read Psalm 122. Um, focus in on verse five, where it talks about the thrones of judgment and the thrones of the house of David. And, um, you know, start to look into this. Uh, Benjamin's got a lot more to share. We'll get in deeper and be able to go to another level. Um but in the meantime, start some homework, read the scripture. I mean, it's, this is, and a lot of times I, I, I was talking to a guy the other day and he's, he, he uh, was listening to a message I had done somewhere else. And, and I was an employee of mine. He's like, yeah, I don't get into the old Testament very much. And I was like, and, and I will not being critical. I just was, you know, I try to tell people the new Testament, it's about our life with Christ and there's some prophecy, but folks, if you want to know the detailed instructions for the last day, you need to read the old Testament. It's in there. It's your guidebook. 
And, and brother, thank you for sharing with this with us tonight. I really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome, brother. Amen. God bless. And now you've set the trap. It's a bait. You're going to have to come back and explain some more, brother. I mean, you opened up this can of worms. It's going to go a lot deeper than that. And folks, we're looking forward to having brother Benjamin back to keep going down this journey. I love that you went to Jeremiah chapter 30 about the giving birth. I've loved that chapter. I've known about it. You probably are the one who showed it to me 20 some years ago. Um, you know, to be honest, and, uh, that's a, it's a powerful story, folks. We will give birth, um, and it will be amazing. And God will use us to his honor and glory through these last days. Brother, thank you so much, folks. Please keep brother Benjamin in your prayers, uh, and myself and the remnant call. Um, you know, maybe one day you can't find us anymore on YouTube. Don't forget we're on rumble. Um, and if that doesn't work out, um, we hope to see you on maybe on the King's highway, you know, maybe, uh, we'll see you over in, um, you know, somewhere in, uh, in, in the region of Moab. And, uh, if not, then the sea of glass is where we'll meet again. But until then, thank you all. And God bless brother Benjamin. Thank you for coming on tonight. And this is brother Frank and brother Benjamin on the remnant call saying to everybody, good night and Shalom. Trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Blow a trumpet in Zion.